And we're back with episode 41 of Dog Football Weekly. It's your host, Reed, with your co-host, Russ. And today, folks, we've got a special guest, uh, Mr. Jay Teal, also known as the Dog Father on TikTok and Twitter. Mr. Jay, how you doing today? We're doing good. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate y'all. Yes, sir. Well, let's jump right into it. A lot of big games this week, this past weekend, New Year's Six Bowls, um, college football playoff. Georgia comes out with a 63-3 to defeat over Florida State. Mr. Jay, just give us some initial thoughts on the game and kind of what led this team to just this massive victory in the bowl game. Well, I tell you, it was – I think the culture that Kirby has set in Athens speaks volumes. Uh, just the fact that he got all those guys to not necessarily – you know, talk them into coming back, but just the way that they interact with each other, the brotherhood they have, it shows a lot uh, about how much they love each other and just how much they interact with each other. Um, And I hate it for Florida State, honestly. Um, Kirby was very outspoken about that as well after the game, if you heard his comments. Um, Mm. If if they had been able to field their whole team, I feel like it would have been a much more competitive game. I'm not saying Georgia wouldn't have won. I think they would have. Um, but again, just everybody hanging around um, and playing the game, uh, it just speaks to what is going on at the University of Georgia right now. And it's, it's just a great thing to hold right now if you're a University of Georgia fan. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Well, I thought, you know, this it was kind of a battle of two different cultures. And one culture was – and I think Mike Norvell is a great coach, and I think Florida State's going to be successful for a while. But they're kind of just riding this season, riding this season – and both teams obviously had some disappointments because both teams, you can make an argument for, were deserving to be in the final four teams. But I think it was a battle of almost like Kirby Smart, his culture and the Georgia football culture is almost bigger than the college football playoff, and it's bigger than this one season. And it's almost just about just building a good day on top of a good day on top of a good day. And I think that's what you saw. I don't think now, if they had Jordan Travis, if they had Jaheim Bell, Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, some of those guys out there, do I think it would have been closer? Yes, but I think that in this setting, I think Georgia would have still beat them handily. I, I certainly agree. And, you know, when we talk about culture, uh, if, if you guys remember back to the 2018 season mm-hmm. uh, when Georgia played Texas over in the Sugar Bowl, it was just a much different vibe then because Georgia was coming off playing for a national championship the year before against Alabama. And it just seemed like, and I went to that game, guys, and when you walked into the stadium, um, it just felt like, you know, the entire vibe just was not there when you walked in. But since that has happened, it's like Kirby had just taken a hold to this program and moved it to another level. So regardless of whether they're playing Timbuktu University or a national championship, he's got everybody bought in every game, and that just speaks to what he's done and, and moved this program going forward. All right, we're going to flip the script a little bit, talk about, you know, the games just played. Uh, obviously, Michigan takes down Alabama. Do, what are your thoughts on that game? As I sat and watched it, I, I think all of us who have, you know, seen Alabama over the years, Nick Saban coach team, I don't know if anybody thought there was any way they wouldn't come back and win that game. I certainly mm-hmm. thought it the entire time. Um, but looking at it, it just really seemed like they had a perfect defensive game plan against Jalen Milrow. I think they sacked him, if I remember right, seven times in that game. Um, 
So just, just the fact they were able to work that game plan to perfection speaks volumes about what Coach Harbaugh has been able to do. And I'm not going to sit here and uh, pat him on the back a lot because I'm not a big Jim Harbaugh fan. But again, they worked that defensive game plan to perfection and just enough offensively to win it. So mm-hmm. I guess you have to tip your hat to them in that respect. Yes, sir. I thought, I thought that Michigan from – really after that opening series where they threw the interception, it got called back, obviously. But once you saw their defense come out and kind of set the tone, I think from that point on, you could tell Michigan was the better team that day. But they made they obviously didn't play. I don't think they'd agree with their best game. They had those muff punts. I mean, they almost gave Alabama the ball at the one-yard line right there, there in the fourth quarter. There were several opportunities. I would certainly agree with every bit of that, that uh, Alabama had opportunity after opportunity to capitalize on mistakes that Michigan made, and they didn't do it. So, again, when you're given those opportunities and you don't, you just, again, have to tip your hat to Michigan and the job they did. Um, I feel like the same thing could be said for the SEC championship. Mm -hmm. If (laughs) Georgia goes back and corrects some things and uh, plays a – better defensive or has a better defensive strategy and I'm not by any means knocking Coach Schumann, Coach Muschamp, anybody like that, but I feel like if there was, you know, uh, another game plan in place where they decided to pressure Milro a little bit more mm-hmm. than sit back, we might have seen a different outcome there, but uh, either way, uh, again, just Michigan did what they had to do, so you just have to, have to congratulate them on that. Yes, sir, and then obviously the later game, one that really wasn't talked about much before, but one that also turned out to be a really great football game if you watch till the end. Washington took down Texas. You know, what what really just give me we keep asking about what your thoughts are on these games, but really just give us what you think about that game and then looking forward to a Michigan versus Washington national championship. To be honest with you guys, I'm a little older, so I stayed up through about halfway through the third quarter and I didn't end up watching what the highlights were at the end. So uh, but going back and watching it, uh, I'm so impressed with Michael Penix and that group of receivers at the University of Washington. I don't know if there's another offensive skill group in the country that could compare to what they're doing right now. Um, you know, you go back and look at the season they've had overall. I mean, really, the the only couple of close games they had was the one at home against mm-hmm. Oregon and you know, past that, they have looked phenomenal pretty much all year. But save, I don't know, maybe one or two games. But other than that, um, I think they have a very good shot against Michigan. I think it's their prolific offense against Michigan's defense. If Michigan comes back out and performs the same way they did defensively against Alabama, I think it should be a pretty good ball game to watch. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Well, I think looking back last week and listening to everybody talk and looking at the media and looking at everything, it was almost like everybody was back and forth on Michigan-Bama and Texas was just kind of thrown in there like, oh, they're playing Texas, they're playing Texas. And Texas, you have to give Sark credit. They had a great year. Um, He's really built something there at Texas when there really wasn't anything for the past decade. And But Washington came out and, you know, I think their offensive line, which – was good in the Pac-12, but I think they surprised a lot of people with how they handled Texas's front because you can make the case that Texas has the best front in the country outside of Michigan. And I was really impressed with their offensive line play. I knew Michael Penix was a baller. I knew he could really sling it. But seeing him come out and do it on the big stage with everybody watching and with his back against the wall at times even was just really impressive. He impressed me. 
I certainly agree to your point. You know, you brought up the fact that um, I've, I've, you know, I've built a, a pretty good following over on TikTok. And one of the questions that I get asked a lot, especially as far as George is concerned, is who were a couple of the teams that I thought would be able to play them the best. And I always said Alabama and Texas because of exactly what you just said, those defensive fronts. Um, I, I feel like they would have held up against Georgia the best. And I feel like going forward in this national championship game, you know, like we just mentioned, um, I, I thought Texas would have been the one to do it. I, I'm not exactly sure um, where the breakdown was for them in that Washington game. I guess just give Michael Penix and the offensive staff credit for what they did. I, I'd be honest with you. I didn't think that would happen. But matter of fact, I picked both of those games wrong, guys. So I did uh, too. It just <laughs> it is what it is, but um, uh, sometimes you just never know. And I guess the Big Ten is probably sitting there since they're going to have both these teams next year. They'll probably be bragging about one of their teams won a national championship. But we'll see what they got next year as far as that's concerned. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, looking forward to next year um, and the twelve team playoff. There's a lot of hype right now already, even though the season isn't even over. About 2024, 2024 in the SEC. If you could, could you give me what you think will be your top four SEC teams in preseason polls next year? Um, I've heard a lot of Ole Miss hype. I've seen Ole Miss ranked as high as number four in some poll or in some some of the analyst polls. But what do you think? Um, I think with what Georgia has coming back, what Ole Miss has coming back, I think you could definitely see both of those teams inside the top five. Um, I'm, I'm never, never going to discount anything that Alabama has, uh, over there with coach Saban, the way they recruit, the way they use the portal. And I'll throw Missouri in there too. If you guys watch mm-hmm. the Ohio state game, um, I'm very impressed with what coach Drinkowitz has done over in Columbia, Missouri. And I feel like he's really built that program up to the point now, uh, where if he can continue recruiting and using the portal, the way he's doing, they're going to be on the national scene for quite a while to come. But if it's me, if we're talking about the top four, those are probably the ones that I could see starting the year, Georgia, Ole Miss, Alabama, and Missouri uh, in 2024 to start the year out. Yes, sir. I think that what Eli Drinkowitz has done and really what Lane Kiffin's done at Ole Miss, there's never really been more hype around a program. I wouldn't. Be, I think Ole Miss deserves to be ranked highly going into next year. And but I also think that that a team like Missouri, who really everybody's going to kind of forget about, they'll probably be ranked in the five to ten range, probably probably about number eight in the polls next year. I think everybody's going to forget about them, look past them, because now you have two new members with Texas and Oklahoma in your conference, and I think Missouri could string together uh, really another solid season. I mean, they were a couple. If a couple of plays didn't go their way in that Georgia game, I mean, you could be looking at Missouri versus Alabama in the SEC championship. Yeah, I I was in Sanford Stadium. We do have season tickets. So, you know, when we went to the game, I'm sitting there in the fourth quarter, and I'm still sweating bullets. And I'm like, this is not the same Missouri team that I'm used to seeing year in and year out. So that's why I say when it comes to Coach Drinkwitz and the job he's done, uh, especially in the portal, uh, and they have a huge advantage in the state of Missouri as far as the portal is concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, and I, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, with this new law they mm-hmm. passed in the state of Missouri that any high school senior who 
commits to a school inside the state and signs financial aid forms can begin drawing NIL money from the college at that time. So uh, when they got Williams Winari, who was arguably the best recruit in the country uh, from the state of Missouri, that's a big selling point for them. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't think this is going to be ending anytime soon for them because he's, he's able to sell that program based off of that right now. Yeah, well, I have a question for, you know, both of you to answer. Um, who are some guys just in the SEC and college football in general uh, that you're looking forward to see playing? Um, just based off what I saw in the bowl games this uh, past couple of weeks, I'm really looking forward to seeing Nico Iamaleva up mm-hmm. in Tennessee. And I realized that was Iowa they played and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iowa's defense is usually pretty good, but, you know, if we're being honest, they play inside the Big Ten, which I'm sorry to me is just um, not at the level of the SEC. But, you know, with the skill set Nico has and what he was able to accomplish in that bowl game, I'm looking forward to see how he starts the year. I feel like he is a upgrade over what they've had uh, this past year. No mm-hmm. disrespect to Joe Milton, but um, I feel like, you know, with Coach Hype on that offense, it's a perfect set for him to come in and be successful from day one. Mm-hmm. He's a guy I think a lot of, you know, I thought that at some point during this season, because I've always been worried about Joe Milton's consistency, because everybody was, he had all the Heisman hype, he had all the, the Tennessee hype going before the season. But my main question was if this guy is so good, why is it taking him six years? to become the full-time starter. And, you know, I thought that Nico would get more playing time than he did this year. But, you know, in his opportunities, we got to give him credit. He showed out, and he showed out against Iowa this past weekend. Another guy I'm looking forward to see more of, um, Luther Burden coming back to Missouri. I mean, he torched Georgia. And obviously a guy you don't really want to play against, but, I mean, just an unbelievable receiver, unbelievable receiving talent. He's one that comes to mind. And then here's kind of one that I'm kind of – not a lot of people may know who he is, but uh, Garrett Nussmeyer, the backup quarterback at LSU, who will be their starter in 2024, I presume. Um, He really – you know, he got a lot of playing time in the 2020 – it was 2022 SEC Championship last season against Georgia. And he really made an impact in the second half. Obviously, Georgia had some backups in, and the game wasn't necessarily close – but he made some plays, and he has a he has really good arm talent. He really does, and it's like I was sitting at that game too, and he came in, and I thought, you know, this this game's a wrap, it's over, and sure enough, he comes in and starts lighting up our secondary. But it was kind of like, like you say, we had some backups in at that point because the game was in hand. But uh, you make a very good point. Uh, he's he's a talented football player. He could very well win that starting job as far as their quarterback next year, and. You also brought up Luther Burton, who, in my opinion, is the best wide receiver in the SEC. I'm not taking anything away from anything we've got at the University of Georgia, but uh, with the losses that we've had across the defensive secondary, both in the portal and going to the NFL, there's going to be a lot of new guys back there. I do trust Coach uh, Smart and Coach Muschamp and all the, the new DB coach from USC to get that straightened out. But, you know, Luther Burden is Luther Burden. He's uh he's one of those guys you better watch out for every play and know where he's at or he will light you up. Yes, sir. Well, one more question before we go here. 
Um, just tell us where we can get your content and tell everybody where you can get your content. Absolutely. Uh, I'm over on TikTok. I am the underscore dog, D-A-W-G underscore father over there at TikTok and the same handle over at Twitter. Um, so if anybody wants to go check out that content, I would certainly appreciate it. It's uh, mainly based on University of Georgia content, some comedy here and there. Uh, but uh, I've made my living doing that. That's been a blessing for me and uh, hope to continue doing it as long as I can. Good Lord willing. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. That's going to be it for today's episode of Dog Football Weekly.